0: Let your awareness inhabit the body, softening the eyes, relaxing the jaw, the throat, softening the heart, softening the belly, feeling the weight of your body on the cushion, contact, become grounded in the awareness of your body. Feel the natural arising of each breath, the inhalation and exhalation, Simply feeling the sensations of each breath as they appear in the open space of awareness. The sensations of the nostrils, the sensations of the movement in the chest or abdomen. Relaxing back into the simple knowing. Breathing in, know you're breathing in. Breathing out, know you're breathing out. Open to any predominant bodily sensations that may appear, sensations that call your attention away from the breath. Opening to them, feeling them, pressure, tightness, vibration, heat, cold. Simply notice what happens to the sensations as you become aware of them. Do they get stronger, weaker? Do they change position? Do they disappear? can notice whether the sensations are pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And when they're no longer predominant, allowing the mind to resettle on the breath, re-aiming with each half-breath. Today, in particular, be mindful of the arising, the appearance of thoughts or images in the mind. So as soon as you become aware of thinking, that is words in the mind or seeing images in the mind, make a soft mental note of thinking or seeing. might be toward the beginning of it, in the middle of the thought, toward the end, even after it's over. And notice the difference in your experience between being lost in the thought, what is that like, The difference between that experience in the mind and being aware of thinking. What is that experience like? Recognize the quality of wakefulness in that moment when you come out of the dream of being lost in thought. to judge the thoughts or judge yourselves for having them or trying to prevent them. It's simply to be aware of them as another arising object. Aware as quickly and as vividly as you can. And be mindful of the hindrances Patricia spoke of last night. They may come as thoughts, they may come as particular feelings. Desire or wanting, aversion, sleepiness, restlessness, doubt, Awareness of the hindrances simply become part of the practice. With each each half breath, aim the mind and then rest in the knowing of the breath, re-aim, rest in the knowing. mindful of thought and image arising in the mind noting thinking or seeing Daily activities well, you can breathe through your mouth uh, that probably is have just the mouth slightly open and uh, and then also include the uh, sensations or the discomfort of the congestion in the nose and the head as an object of meditation you know so you feel uh, congested or heavy or pressure Uh, don't put that outside of the meditation Um, and as i mentioned the other night see if you can enter into the awareness of those sensations independent of the concept you have of stuffy nose, I have a cold, I don't feel well, you know, where you were you going just to the bare attention on the sensations themselves. Whenever I'm uh, ill, and stuffy nose is, is rather a mild, mild situation, but going from, you know, stuffy nose to being quite ill, I often frame the experience uh, for myself as practice for dying. Because when we're dying, we probably will most likely feel somewhat uncomfortable. You know, the body is going to be shutting down and it's... And so the question is, how are we with that? Can the mind be free even in the experience of the body doing whatever it's doing, you know, and particularly at the time of death. How will we want our mind to be? So times of discomfort in the sitting, or in our, in our meditation practice now, actually is a training for that. You know, So you're sitting in the congestion in the head, and you, know, you breathe, as I said, with, as best you can, perhaps with the mouth open, but then just open to the experience. And watch, watch to see if there's aversion, if there's a irritation, if there's, uh, you know, annoyance, if there's openness, if there's acceptance. Okay. Question was, what about metta at that, when you say kind of time, well, uh, not feeling well? Metta is... Metta can be useful, uh, especially to bring it in as a way of coming to a place of acceptance where you can then actually just be with the sensation. So you don't want to be using metta always uh, sort of as an escape from unpleasantness. Right? Sometimes, sometimes people use it in that way. Oh, this is uncomfortable. I'll do meta. Right? The meta itself, of course, is a wholesome state. And sometimes we practice it for its own sake to develop that quality of loving kindness. At other times, we practice it, as I said, in order to get the balance of mind, get back the balance of mind, so that we can look at the discomfort. You follow? And so, to do a little bit of the metta and then to go back to whatever it is you're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. And just, just that basic feeling of metta is a basic feeling of openness. You know, we're goodwill towards oneself, towards one's own mind and body, mm-hmm. and then dropping back. Into that openness. Let me feel what's happening, even if it's unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Jim? Uh, I I mm-hmm. I hope you all heard that <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's a, the question It can be confusing because the words we use in English to describe all this are translations from the Pali, and in the Pali, each of these words has a very specific and distinct meaning. When we translate them into English, often we lose a quality of that precision. So, for example, the word mind is used in different ways, and so that's why it does get confusing. Sometimes we use the word mind to mean consciousness, just the knowing faculty, right? the knowing function. Sometimes we use mind to mean the knowing plus all the other objects of mind, like thoughts, like emotions. So when we say, watch your mind, often we're meaning watch the knowing plus everything that's arising within it all the mental objects arising within it so you really have to hear the particular context in terms of when the term is used okay The consciousness, the knowing faculty, and all of the different qualities of mind bliss is a quality of mind right. Yes, and I think the the way you're holding it is it personal or universal. I think that's the wrong that's the wrong frame because. All of these uh, factors, both physical elements, mental elements, consciousness, knowing, all of them are impersonal, non-personal, selfless. Right? So even though in a conventional sense, conventional language we say, my mind, my thoughts, my bliss, my whatever, that my is extra. And we'll be, we'll be talking a lot more about the nature and the experience of selflessness. And so I would just see it in that way as the consciousness, the knowing, if you happen to have some bliss, (laughs) the bliss, the empty nature of the knowing, all of it is arising as impersonal functions. Not I, not mine, not myself. And our task, coming back just to the practice, is simply to be aware, moment after moment, of what's arising and not clinging. So keep it really simple. You know, and we are aware of physical phenomena, the breath, the sensations in the body. We're aware of mental phenomena, of thought, of emotion, of the hindrances. As the practice stabilizes more, we become aware of the knowing itself, of the consciousness, it's always simply to be mindful of what's arising and not clinging. You got that? But that's the whole, you don't have to hear anything else, you can go home now. <laughs> 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 be aware of what's arising and don't cling. Uh, yeah, so yeah, there's a lot. I mean, what you asked, you know, that's, that's a lot of the depth of Buddhist understanding. Okay, maybe we'll talk about the precepts. (laughs) Uh, Just, you know, just a reminder in terms of the eight precepts. You know, the the five you're familiar with, the sixth is to refrain from taking any solid food after the noon meal. Traditionally, you know, it really means taking solid food after noon but we just, for, for the logistics of IMS, we just say after the noon meal. And that precept is interpreted quite differently by different uh, monasteries, and different <laughs> traditions, even within Theravada Buddhism. And sometimes what's allowed and what's not allowed is quite arbitrary. So, for example, in the Saira Upandita, it gives a very strict interpretation. It's really just uh, what's allowed is juice or water. Uh, tea is not allowed, coffee is not allowed, Tang is allowed. <laughs> <laughs> So I think one has to <laughs> really get to the spirit of this rather than the <laughs> I think a, a basic understanding of it is not having solid food. you know something like milk probably is more, even though it's liquid, it's probably more in the food category, you know but you can see- you can really. Think about it and see, you know, what level of strict interpretation you'd like to give it. Uh, But I think you get the spirit. It's not taking (laughs) solid food afternoon. Um, And it's just, for those of you who've never done eight precepts, uh, it could be an interesting experiment for you to take it at least for some time. Uh, there's a lot of benefit from it. First, it just simplifies the day a lot. You know, you're not interrupting your practice uh, with the sort of commotion of the evening tea, uh, and you can just continue. You know, with the sitting and walking. Um, it really does keep the body very light, and that's often for many people uh, feel more energized in the evening. I've noticed uh, often when I'm on retreat, if I take food in the evening, I can just feel, you know, after taking the food, it's like the energy goes down just in the process of digesting it. So it would be interesting to experiment. And all of this is an experimentation. You know, you look, if you're, if you're interested, you try and you see what is the effect. Uh, but there can be a, a much greater lightness uh, and wakefulness. Um, and I've also found it interesting, just in terms of exploring uh, and strengthening the power of a renunciation. You know, because there is clearly the desire. You know, it's a pleasant sense experience to take food, uh, and you know we can feel kind of the desire or the wanting uh, in the mind. And just given, generally, our culture, you know, which praises the indulgence of sense-desire. You know, there's so many advertisements all over and kind of increase your desire. (laughs) As if that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, and then, you know, them selling whatever they're selling in order for us to increase our desire. This is a way of just seeing the other side of that, the the freedom or the power of being able to say no. It's like the power of non-addiction, you know, the freedom of non-addiction, even with, you know, the tendency may be there, but we're just saying, no, I'm not going to do that. We're kind of letting go. Uh, So all of these things get revealed, you know, in uh, times of taking the precept. Uh... Some of you may have medical reasons for not doing it. You know, I know some people are hyperglycemic, or well, whatever, whatever medical condition where it might not be a good idea for you, that's fine. You know, so you just really have to see for yourself. And you can find the right time to do it. You know, you can either begin today if you'd like, if you'd like to just wait and settle more into the practice, and you know a little later if you feel inspired to take them. Every time we give the precepts from now on, we'll we'll give all eight. And so, at any time, you could either take them by yourself or just uh, wait for the next time they're given and take them. Uh, I would suggest, because you could take it even for a day. And, and often in Buddhist countries, you know, people do go to the temple on full moon and new moon. And for the day, take eight precepts, and that's kind of a worthy thing to do. Uh, if you're interested in making the experiment to really see the effect of it, you know, on your practice, on your mind, you might want to consider at some point or another uh, possibly taking it for at least a week. You know, because then then you kind of get can get into really what it is and what it feels like. And maybe you would... Continue, maybe not Uh, And some of you may want to take it for the whole rest of the retreat So this is really up to you It's just an offering uh, For if and when you'd like to explore it Uh, There's the precept about um, You know, not adorning the body Which was explained uh, And not the high and luxurious beds So why don't we uh, Just do the refuges and precepts together and we'll go through all eight. Those of you who would like to take it today can recite the last three, we'll chant it together and those who want to stay just with the five can just sit and listen. Um, And then we'll uh, do the last dedication at the bottom together. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sampudasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sampudasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sampudasa Budang Saranang, good charmi. Damang Saranang, good charmi. Saranang, good charmi. Duty Budang Saranang, good charmi. Duty Damang Saranang, good charmi. Duty Saranang, Gachami Datiampi Budang Saranang, good charmi Tatiampi Damang Saranang, good charmi Sangang Saranang, good Panati Pata We Adinadana, Vairamani, Sikha Padam Abramacharya Ami. A Vairamani, Sikha Padam Samadhi Musawada, Vairamani, Sikha Padam samadhyami. Sura Marya, we Ramani Sikapadam Samadhi Ami We Kala Bojana Sikapadam Samadhi Ami Nacha Gita Varita We Sukadasana Malaganda We Dharana Mandana We Busanatana Veramani Ramani Sikha Padam Samadhi Ami Ucha Maha Ramani Sikha Samadhi Idam Me Silang Maga Palanyanasa Pachayo Hotu